Now, if you have a Bible, could you turn to Ephesians chapter 2? Ephesians and chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse, we'll read, maybe read the first 10 verses. And uh, verse number 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. And God will bless this reading from his, his precious word. The uh, book of Ephesians was written to a group of believers in the city of Ephesus. Whenever these uh, people got saved, they, had, uh, they were a wealthy people, many of them, and they owned a lot of books, books of magic and books of um, all sorts of things. And uh, it says that whenever they get saved, they burned all their books and, uh, in the book of Acts and chapter number uh, 18, it says that they burned all their books and they counted up the value of them. And let me just get the figure. I think it was uh, 50,000 pieces of silver. 50,000 pieces of silver was how much they lost by uh, whenever they get saved and burned all their books. You say that was a big cost to get saved. Well, Paul writes an epistle to them, a letter, and in it he shows them that they have not lost out at all. In fact, the riches that they have in Christ could never be compared to what they lost. It doesn't even compare at all. He writes to them about the riches of God's grace. That's what we want to think about tonight. The riches of his purpose, the riches of his, uh, of his love. And he tells these believers just how much they really have. And our desire tonight is to do the same and tell you about how wonderful it is to be saved, to be saved. We read in verse number eight, by grace are ye saved through faith. And I want to think with you about how wondrous it is a thing to be saved. And I want to, if there's someone here tonight who's not saved, I would love that the word of God will reach your soul and you'll leave this meeting saved. And I want to just take a, a walk through this passage and think of maybe seven things that uh, it is true of being saved. The first thing I want to mention is saved from deadness. Saved from deadness. Why do we need to be saved? Well, that's the early part of the chapter and it shows the dark picture of a sinner before salvation. It says that whenever we are in our sins by birth, we are dead. We are dead. It's an awful description of a sinner. Dead. 
Whenever we go past a graveyard on the way to the meeting here, there's just something about it. It's, there's, no, there's no people in it. There's no speaking. There's no voices. There's no connection with it. It's just deadness. And so it is with your soul, my friend, if you're not saved. Before God, you're dead. You're far from him. You're separated from him. You bring him no pleasure, no joy. You cannot sing with the believers. You cannot be sure of heaven. There's just a deadness. And that is the same for every person who is not saved. It says another thing about the people who are not saved in this passage. It says that they walk according to the course of this world. It says that the devil's in control of their pathway in life. And we do live in a sad world where the devil has, has directed the path of life and has, has caused this world to become a very wicked place. And if you're not saved, my friend, you're just a part of it. Some of the boys and girls would maybe around these, this time of year like to go for a walk around some of the rivers and the waterfalls around some of those, those parks around Northern Ireland. And uh, they love to throw a stick in and watch the stick going fast as the, when the rivers are full. And they watch the stick and it just goes so fast over the waterfall, down the river, and uh, there's no stop in it. And maybe, maybe a stone stops it for a minute and then eventually it runs on and, and then you never see it again. That's like you, friend, if you're not saved. The devil's course just takes every humankind and, and you're just among them. You're just in the big course of this world. You're just like that stick, helpless to stop or uh, stand against anything. And the end of that great river of life will lead to an eternal destruction in hell. And that's why, dear friends, you need saved. Because in yourself, there's no power to save yourself. There's not. And unless, unless if we go take that stick in that river, unless someone takes it out of it, it'll run on forever. And dear friend, unless you have someone to take you from your sins and save you, You'll perish in your sins forever. And so the big reality is before us all tonight. It's bigger than we all, any of us understand or can grasp. I wish we could uh, preach it with more fervor because it's so serious. Tonight before us is the joys of heaven and the fires of hell. Uh, and where you will be forever depends on whether you're saved or not. And so, dear friend, in the words of Acts chapter 4, we must we must be saved. We must be saved. Saved from, from deadness. Maybe we should mention uh, one, one more thing in these early verses. It talks about the sinfulness of the human heart. And we, we believe firmly from the scriptures that by birth every sinner is born wrong. Born wrong. And every one of us have sin against God and that is why we need to be saved, because we are sinners. And whether we look at the boys and girls here, and they're all, um, all well-dressed and listening carefully, and it's great, it's great to see that. But in your heart, in your heart, there is the black ruin of sin, and it needs to be forgiven. Or a teenager here, or an older friend, it's a big day in someone's life when they were willing to confess, that I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. The Bible says we are all, all we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have turned everyone to his own way. And in every one of our hearts, and I'm no different to you, and every one of the believers here, we're not here, we're not like a a different level, uh, as if we're better than the folk that aren't saved. We don't think that at all. We're just the same. We just were born uh, conceived in iniquity and incended our mothers conceive us. Every one of us just the same, cut from the same cloth, no better. And yet by the grace of God, we have been saved. And we tell you, dear friend, you need to be saved from your sins. And your sins is the problem. And that's why you need to be saved. Saved from deadness. Saved in mercy. That's verse number four. Saved in mercy. Thank God we can tell you about a God of mercy. God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. God loves your soul, my friend. Deeper than I could ever tell you or describe. God loves your soul. There is mercy available for sinners. There is mercy freely offered for sinners. And God's mercy is a heart of love that toward people like us who never deserved it. Never deserved it. There was a, a, a radio program a friend of mine was listening to once. And uh, it was a kind of religious uh, program or at least that bit of it was. And they decided to bring in a a few different men from different religions. There was a Muslim man and there was uh, two Christian men from uh, various persuasions, nominally Christian at least. And they were chatting about their religions and who believed what and so on. And the two two, uh, men who, who believed in Christianity to some extent, they were giving the Muslim man a hard time and they were saying, ah, your God's not a God of mercy. And uh, the man was feeling a bit of pressure. And he said, my God is a God of mercy, but it's just mercy to those who deserve it. Now, that's not mercy, friend. Because mercy, in its very definition, is to those who do not deserve it. That's what mercy is. And so here we are tonight preaching the gospel of a God who loved sinners who didn't deserve it. And you say, how was it shown? It was shown in that he gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And our Lord Jesus was here on this this earth. And I I couldn't describe to you how, how much grace and mercy he showed. We love to read the gospels. We love to think about Christ and how he lived on this earth. He was full, says the Bible, of grace and truth. He... Men like Moses brought the law to the people. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do that. And it was a very solemn uh, reflection of God. And when our Lord Jesus came, he didn't take away from that at all. He spoke faithfully, firmly, righteously. And he showed God in all his holiness. But there was something he showed about the heart of God that those Old Testament prophets like Elijah and Jeremiah and Moses maybe didn't show so much, just so much. He showed that God was a God of love, mercy, compassion, grace. I think of the day when he, uh, when he uh, had a long day of busyness and they brought to him all that were sick and they gathered outside the door of the house in Capernaum and it says he healed every one of them. He healed every one of them. 
Even though it was evening time and the sun had set, he didn't treat his own time as more important and uh, want to just say, I've done enough today. He loved others. He loved others. And I think of the time when he, uh, the, the leper came to him and no one ever dared touch the leper and they all stayed clear of the leper. But Christ touched him and said, I will be thy clean. I think of the day when the woman who was taken in adultery was going to be stoned and the Lord said to her, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. I think of the day when, whenever he, he, he shed tears at the grave of a friend. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ was, was not only, did not only show the truth of God, but he revealed something of the heart of God. And he shed tears at the grave of Lazarus. And then he raised him from the dead. There was nothing like the grace of Christ and the mercy of Christ. And yet, uh, we do not just tell you about his life. We tell you about his death. Because if you and I are ever going to be saved, my friend, he had to die. He had to die. And for salvation to flow freely, Christ had to lay down his life on dark Calvary. And for the sins of our humanity to be forgiven... Christ had to endure the awfulness of the cross and die for guilty sinners like us. He had to. There was no other way. God couldn't just say, well, I'll forget about all those sins and just think nothing about them and just overlook them. He couldn't. God is a holy God. But on that cross, the judgment fell on the Savior's head and he endured the judgment so that you could be free and I could be free and we could be Saved, oh, the grace of Christ. And then, of course, we wouldn't want to leave Christ on the cross. We should never leave Christ on the cross. We're not telling you to trust in a, in a story of 2,000-year-old history. Because on the third day, the Lord Jesus rose again. And that's why grace is free tonight. And that's why mercy is free. Because Christ is alive. And on the third day, he rose again. And some days later, after he had proven that he was rose, risen again, he ascended up to heaven. And he sits in heaven upon a throne of grace. And he, it says in Romans chapter 5, it says that grace is reigning. Grace is reigning. And that's what I want to come to now. Not only saved from deadness and saved in mercy, but I want to think about saved by grace. Because Christ is at the right hand of God. He offers salvation freely. And we preach salvation by grace alone. Sola gratia. I was thinking lately about the reformers. I actually had a privilege not so long ago of um, looking at a, a box in a museum in Germany of uh, uh, about 500 year old, a strange looking big box. And uh, the man told us that there were men who came round and told the people that if they put their money in this box, and they were poor people 500 years ago in Germany, a poor place, and they told the poor folk, you put your money in this box and you'll get yourself into heaven or you'll get some of your family members out of hell. Dreadful thought. And there was a man by the name of Martin Luther, known to most, no doubt, and he stood against that and... Uh, he was infuriated by such, such thoughts and he began to preach from the scriptures that God saves by grace. 
and grace is free and salvation is free and I don't need to tell the people of Ballyclare that God is not looking for your money to save you. Christ has done all the work and God saves by grace, by grace. Now, it might not be money that some people have in their minds. Some people have in their minds that I get saved by kind of uh, trying enough in my own heart. Some people, even people that, that grow up hearing the gospel, they still think to themselves, whenever I need to get saved, I'll need to read enough or I'll need to try and understand enough or I'll need to kind of pray enough or work even up enough faith. And they will come to faith shortly, but what you need to understand, dear friend, is that it's not what you do for God. God will save you by his grace. And it's when a person comes to an end of themselves and says, I am a lost sinner, but Christ died for me, then God saves them by his grace. But while a person is still proud and wants to do something for God, they'll never be saved. Because grace is free. Grace is free. And it says in this very chapter, not only by grace are you saved through faith, but it also says that it says that it's not of works lest any man should boast. Now, if heaven was by works, then heaven would be full of people boasting. It would. And people would be saying, well, I did this and I did that and I deserve to be here because I did such and such. But in heaven, the glory will be alone to the lamb who died on Calvary. He will be the only reason why Anyone who is there will be there. It's because he died for them and they trusted him as their savior. There will be no boasting in heaven. And there's no salvation, my friend, for boasters still. Until someone takes low ground and trusts Christ alone as their savior and accepts with an open hand the free offer of grace, only then God saves them. And they have nothing to boast in. Says the old hymn writer, boasting excluded, pride I abase, I'm only a sinner saved by grace. You say, what about now? Would you, whenever you get saved, you probably thought you weren't, didn't deserve it and it was by grace, but maybe now you've come to deserve it because you, uh, you live a Christian life and some of these Christians live a Christian life and maybe now they deserve it. Not at all, dear friend. Uh, the more I live, I think I've been saved 20 years, slightly over 20 years, and now I feel less worthy of it than even then. Less worthy, because I know more and more about the unworthiness of my own heart. But God's grace saved me then and saves me still. And it's all glory to the Lamb who died on Calvary. Saved by grace. Saved through faith. This is the way to be saved. I hope there's someone here who would love to be saved tonight. And I want to point you the way. And says the scriptures very simply. By grace are ye saved through faith. Faith. Or you could use the word believing. It's really the same thing. Believing. Or trust. I believe that is the same thing. A rest upon Christ. Or resting. It's not so much the word we use. It's whenever a sinner reaches out that empty hand and takes salvation freely. That's faith. Faith is, in itself is not something you work up in yourself. It's not an emotional thing. It's almost like like the lifting of that blind, those blinds, to let the light stream in. It's letting God save you. It's trusting Christ as your saviour. It's resting upon what he has done and saying, 
God says it and I believe it. That's faith. And you say it would be easier if you could give us something to say. Give us a wee card with something to say on it. Dear friend, there is no particular formula to say. You could say a thing and not mean it. And we dread that. We don't want that. We want thing to be between you and God. Peter, whenever he was drowning, he said, Lord, save me. The prodigal son, when he returned, he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. The publican in the temple, he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Paul in the Damascus road said, Lord, what will I have me to do? There's not one of them said the same thing. But the faith was the same. And dear friend, I got saved and I never said a word. I was sitting in a gospel meeting like this. And the man said that Christ cried on the cross, it is finished. And I thought to myself, well, if it's finished, I'll just trust him. God saved me there. I never said a word, never said a prayer. God saved me by his grace because I just put my faith in Christ and his retoning work. And that was enough. Save through faith. Be good if someone tonight got saved through faith. Saved and sure. Saved and sure. You see, it says in verse number eight, by grace are ye saved. Are ye saved. Salvation is not just a memory. It's great to look back on the day when you got saved. Great day. It's a precious memory. And as life goes on, there's no memory will ever exceed it. No day will ever exceed it. The day of salvation. But we still have it. People who are saved, they get saved once. I believe they only ever get saved once. It's a new birth. It's a conversion. But then they have it. And they have it forever. By grace ye are saved. It's almost like in, in chapter 1 it says ye have redemption. You almost have it in your hand. It's like the slaves in America, you'll remember in those dreadful 1800 days, you remember they would have escaped from the ranches and tried to flee to Canada and uh, if they get caught they would be brought back into slavery those dreadful days. But then there were people and for whatever reason then they were given uh, freedom papers they had maybe done enough or done enough service. And then uh, they could go freely to another country. And if someone stopped them, they could show them the freedom papers. And they had them in their hand. Now, which, which is like salvation? Are we saved by Christ and then we're running about trying to avoid getting uh, lost? There's many people think you can be saved today and lost tomorrow. No, dear friend. People that are saved, they have it. They have the papers in their hand. And they can't lose it. And, uh, and people who are saved are absolutely secure. By grace, ye are saved. And a person who is saved can be saved and know it. It's a great thing to be saved. It's a great thing to know it. One final thing I'll say. Saved from deadness. Saved in mercy. Saved by grace. Saved by through faith, saved and sure, saved forever. That's verse number seven. It says in verse number seven that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. God saves forever.
Thank God for that. He saves forever. The ages to come are before us, friend. That's what we said at the start of our meeting. The ages to come are before us. That's why the gospel meeting is serious, solemn. It's not a, not a matter to be taken lightly. We don't take it lightly standing up here. Because we preach to people and in the ages to come, which will roll on forever and forever and forever, you will be somewhere. You will be somewhere. You'll either be in the everlasting joys of heaven or the everlasting fire of hell. And it depends whether you're saved or not. It depends whether you've trusted Christ or not. It depends whether you have him as your saviour. And so, dear friend, whatever you do in life, there's many a thing will be pressing in your mind. I have no doubt about that. I have no doubt there'll be uh, texts on your phone whenever you come out of this meeting looking you to do this or that. I have no doubt that there's things on Monday morning that will come to your attention and you'll have to deal with. Whatever you do, dear friend, make sure you get saved. There's nothing like it. But there's nothing as dreadful as missing it. By grace are you saved through faith. I tell you, dear friend, I hope you, I hope you get it tonight. We'll be glad. May God bless his word. I have a number of verses of scripture I'd like to read with you, and I'll just uh, start as they found in the Bible, but I'll be speaking to you about them in a different order. First of all, I would like you to turn to the book of Exodus, <coughs> the book of Exodus, chapter 14, just for one verse here, and verse number 13 of Exodus says, and Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. I want to turn over, please, now to the book of First Samuel chapter 3. First book of Samuel, chapter 3, and verse number 10. And the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And then to the, the ninth chapter of First Samuel, First Samuel, chapter 9. And the last verse, and as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, bid the servant pass on before us, and he passed on, but stand thou still a while that I might show thee the word of God. And to the New Testament, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, and verse number 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And just trouble you with one more verse. In the last book of the Bible, chapter 3, 
of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And we trust that God will bless to us the reading of his own precious word with what we have already been listening to this evening. It's nice to be back with you present at Ballyclare and all who are present this evening in this meeting know that this is the last day of April 2023. And you may say, well, we all know that. Is there any significance in it? Well, there is a significance in this date. I'll tell you why. It tells me this much that one-third, one-third of this year has already gone. It seems no time since we're thinking about Christmas and things like that, but one-third of this year has quickly passed by. And that's very interesting to me, and it should be interesting to all of you tonight in the meeting, because time is passing us all quickly by. And I had written down something to say to you tonight in the meeting, and somebody quoted it tonight in the prayer meeting, I want to bring it to you all, and I just want to ask you, have you ever stopped to wonder what this life is all about, who you are, and where you're going when your lease of time runs out? Maybe you've been too busy, seeking hard to reach your goal. In the name of Christ, my Saviour, I want to ask you this evening all, have you thought about your soul. Have you thought about salvation? You've been hearing about being saved and the need of being saved. It's so important, friend, to be saved and to be ready for eternity. Now, thinking about the meeting, I wonder what I would speak about. And I want to speak, I've read to you these scriptures about standing. Because I want you to stand still this evening, just to stop. And I read with you there in the first book of Samuel, chapter 9, about a man called Saul, and he was speaking, and Samuel the prophet was speaking to this man, Saul. And he was speaking to this man, Saul, about the future and what's going to happen and all. And Samuel turned to Saul and he said, Stand thou still till I show thee the word of God. Now I would just love that you'd forget about the speaker and the first speaker and your own chums and your friends but this evening friend just for the last few moments of this meeting I want you to stand still till I show thee the word of God. You know we didn't come this evening I didn't come to tell you what I think and what I say you should do. Listen, friend, we've come this evening, Peter and myself, just to tell you the word of God. And we would just like you to consider it for a few moments. And Samuel said to Saul, he said, now, there's another man with you, you have a servant with you, but you just tell him to pass on. 
And if you could just shoot for a, these 15 minutes, friend, if you could just forget about your chums and your schools and your plans for this incoming week and just listen to what the Word of God has got to say to you. Precious Word. Precious Word. May it speak to my soul. Precious Word. Precious Word. Making wounded ones whole. No gift could be greater save Jesus the Lord, the voice of Jehovah, his life-giving word. Stand thou still a while while I show thee the word of God. And as I thought of that this evening, friend, I thought of the word of God, not my opinion, but listen to these words, which are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He said in John chapter 5 and verse number 24, Verily, that means truly, truly, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. You may wonder why we preach the gospel or why we enjoy preaching the gospel. Well, I'll tell you, friend, why I enjoy preaching the gospel. I wish I could sing it or preach it a lot better than I can. But the God thing that I have about the gospel is this, friend, and you've been hearing about being saved and the richness it brings you into. The great thing tonight is this, friend. You could come into this meeting. You could come into this meeting tonight and have a multitude of sins, or even maybe a few sins. But everyone in the meeting tonight has sins. The Bible says all of sin. But the men and women, boys and girls, listen, you could go home from this meeting tonight with your sins forgiven. For the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth from all sin. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. And we would want you this evening, friend, to know that you can have, you not only need salvation, I hope you all know that you need to be saved. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, you need salvation, but you can be saved and you can know the joy of sins forgiven because the Lord said, he that heareth my word and believeth. And so, as Samuel said to Saul, stand thou still, stand still, till I show thee the word of God. Not our opinions, or not what the teaching the gospel hall, but the word of God, which is able to make you wise unto salvation. The second verse I want you to think about, friend, again in first and first Samuel chapter three at this time, and it's about a little boy, a young boy. And uh, again, Samuel is a speaker, and First Samuel 3 and, verse tells, 3 and verse 10 tells me, And the Lord came and stood, as at other times, and called Samuel. The Lord came and stood, as at other times, and called Samuel, Samuel. And I want to ask you a question tonight, all in the meeting. And I hope, hope you don't mind me asking, but I want to ask you this. Has God ever called you? Now, just forget about the one beside you, just yourself. Has God ever called you? Has there ever been a time in your life when you began to think about these things 
and about being saved and having your sins forgiven. Well, here was a little boy, and the Lord called him a number of times. And I would have to think about you tonight in the meeting, and I'm absolutely sure, O sinner, the Saviour is calling for thee. Long, long as he called thee in vain. There's some of you tonight in the meeting, and you know that there's times in your life when you thought, oh, I wish I could be saved and have my sins forgiven. That was God calling. And this may be, to many, another just simple Sunday evening gospel meeting. Well, friend, it may be for eternity. And I would say to you tonight, today, if you will hear his voice, oh, today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. He may call tonight, but he may never call again because one day Martha came to her sister Mary and she says, Mary, listen, the master has come. The master has come and he calleth for thee. He's calling for thee. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home, calling today. Why from the sunshine of love will thy roam further and further away. The master has come and he calleth for thee. Just stand. It says, the Lord stood and called Samuel, Samuel, very personal. And I could be speaking, to, and I'm speaking to all of you different people, but there could be someone in this meeting tonight and God is calling you. Samuel, Samuel, whatever your name may be, the Lord knows you're here. And I trust we have a message from God for your soul this evening. Well, it wouldn't be a gospel meeting if it hadn't, if we did not speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's the very center of the gospel message. And there's no gospel, there's no gospel without the Lord Jesus Christ. And I read with you a verse in Matthew's gospel, chapter 27, and it says, and Jesus stood before the governor, and Jesus stood before the governor. And as he stood before the governor, friend, on that day, the governor condemned the Lord Jesus Christ to death. And this evening, friend, that's the message of the gospel, because 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle tells us, this is the message which I preach unto you, how that Christ died for our sins, I've been speaking to you, and you have been reminded this evening of your sins and my sin. Well, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he rose the third day. And I think they sometimes we sing, as a hymn in the hymn book, it says, Jesus was standing in Pilate's judgment hall. And he went all the way to Calvary, dear boys and girls and men and women, not only did he stand in that judgment hall and men treated him very badly, but he went outside Jerusalem to the hill of Calvary and upon that hill lone and grey, he shed his precious blood. And I want to tell you, everyone tonight, the Bible says, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he never had even one sin, never one sin, and therefore I ask you this evening, for whom did Christ, whose sins did Christ suffer for on the cross? Well, I want to tell you, friend, it was for me, yes, all for me, that he shed his blood. 
And tonight, if you're in the meeting, friend, I want to tell you that there's sufficient by his death on the tree that your sins, every one of them, just think about them, everyone in this hall tonight, if only you had put your trust in Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. And you know, we find here, we've read in Matthew a bit of Jesus standing in the judgment hall. Well, he did stand in the judgment hall and he did go to Calvary and he went into the tomb but the third day, and whenever Stephen was preaching in Acts chapter 7, he said, I see Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Men and women, listen. It's a living saviour that we point you to tonight, one who has died and rose and is alive forevermore. And we'd ask you this evening to trust him as one, as your own and personal saviour. Well, I read with you a verse in the book of Exodus, chapter 14, and we've come upon these words of standing again. We have Moses this time, and you remember they were going out of the land of Egypt, and they come against the Red Sea, and they couldn't say, now, we can't get saved. There's a great, a great danger of the Red Sea. We can't get saved if we go forward. And Pharaoh, the enemy is against us, and he's coming behind us. And this is what Moses said. Here were people, and they wanted to be saved. You know something, friend, in my own simple mind, I always hope there's someone, someone even in this hall tonight, and you want to be saved. And it's certainly my responsibility to tell you as best I can how you can be saved. And here were people, and there was danger in front of them, and there was an enemy behind them, and there was no way out, and they said to themselves, well, how could we be saved? Well, this is what Moses said to them. He said, listen, stand still and see the salvation of God. Now, some of you tonight in the meeting say, yes, I want to be saved, and I've been trying to be saved all my life, but I just can't get it. I don't know how to get it. Well, listen, stop your trying tonight, friend, and trust the Saviour who died in Calvary. Stand still and see the salvation of God. When the Saviour did die upon the cross, he said it's finished, and you don't have to work for salvation. You don't have to pray for it, and you don't have to wait for it and try to get it. It's there, friend. Look and live. Look to the Saviour who died on Calvary. And the great message of the gospel is this, as our brother has read to us this evening, for by grace are you saved through faith. Yes, through faith, by simply believing, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. I was asking Peter what time I had to stop, but we told me I have to stop about 10 to 6. Well, I've just one more verse about standing you could be saved if you just took it in, took it in trust. Don't, what, what, would, what would those people have done? They couldn't go on and they couldn't go back. Moses said, stand still and friend, try no more. Just simply tonight, say I'm a sinner and take it in. Jesus died for me. Well, I read a verse with you in the book of Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20. And you know, it may not be a surprise to you, friend, but it is to me. I've told you this is April 2023. And the amazing thing about that is this too, friend, is this, that God, God is still seeking and saving souls. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Is a saviour and he's seeking an entrance into your life. And he, does he want to hinder you? No, friend, he'll bring eternal blessing, eternal riches, as we've been hearing from Peter this evening. And he wants to, he says, I will sup with him and he with me. And you can ask the Christians this evening, is it worthwhile being saved? Is there any Christian in this meeting? Please stand up now, because I have lived a long time in this world, and I've never met one person yet that said they were sorry they ever got saved. And if you trust the Saviour tonight, he's standing still, and he's still knocking at your door. Swing the heart's door open wide, open this evening, and trust him as your Saviour, and you will be blessed for eternity. Thank you all for coming, and those who may be in the car and the outside, I'm sorry I can't see you, but I hope you have heard the message and that you'll be blessed for eternity. Shall we pray? Our Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we come to thee at the close of this meeting. Thank you for all who have gathered and have listened to thy precious word. And we pray, our God, that someone this evening might trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and know their sins forgiven. By grace are you saved through faith, oh, that by simple faith they might put their trust in thy beloved Son. Bless thy word and take each to their home in safety and grant salvation and glory to the Lord Jesus. We ask it in his precious and in his worthy name. Amen.